Hey everyone, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. We are, oh, we are just so happy that you're here celebrating the end of 2023 with us at the How to Write a Book podcast. And there are a lot of great changes happening in 2024. You know, just to give you a little bit of sneak peek, you know, we have conquered some amazing goals within the company um, and really branched into new services that I didn't know we were going to be heading into. And so it's been a wonderful year. Uh, We will be doing a new year episode that'll be right around the corner. But for this episode, we are going to dive into a wonderful, wonderful interview with Loretta Horner Miller, who is an author of six books, including cookbooks. And one of those is Hair on Fire, which is a heartwarming and humorous Christmas memoir. I really loved Loretta's style, her outlook, and the journey that she took, you know, from always wanting to be a writer and to finally letting herself become that person as well, and and all of the steps it took to get there. So y'all, I hope that you find this as heartwarming and inspiring as I did. And for everyone out there, happy, happy 2023, and we'll see you in 2024. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. All right, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Hello, Loretta Horner-Miller. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm, it's starting to snow up here in, in the mountains above Albuquerque. Oh, I was just about to ask you, where are you from? Yeah. That's awesome. What's the degree, the temperature like right now? Uh, it's probably in the, it's maybe just in the high 20s, low 30s. So we're at 7,000 feet. Most people don't think of New Mexico as having snow, but we do. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. And it's not typically what you think until like you learn about it, right? That's awesome. Yeah. How long have you been there? I've lived in the Albuquerque area about 31 years, but my husband and I married 12 years ago. And so I moved up here 12 years ago, never wanting to be in the mountains. I had moved I had moved to Albuquerque to get away from the snow. And then we met, we married and um, he had a home up here. So I compromised and I love it now. Oh, yay. You moved for love. That's that's the best. I'm a huge romance fan, so I'm like, oh, yes, I love that. Well, let's do a little bit of an introduction. I'm really excited to get to talk to you today. So, Loretta Horner-Miller, you're a poet, essayist, and accomplished multi-genre author. You hold a bachelor's degree in English with a minor in Spanish and a master of education degree in integrating technology into the classroom. That's awesome. You're also an accomplished author of six award-winning biographies, historical fiction, memoir, and poetry, plus three self-published cookbooks. That is awesome. You know, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about was Hair on Fire, but you have so many different books. Um, We would love to just dive in to your process, to what's coming down. So, Loretta, I'll need a little bit of a brief bio. Can you tell us about yourself? Well, I am the daughter of a real cowboy. I grew up in a little ranching community in southeastern Colorado in a real small uh, town. There were four in my graduating class from high school, so that was uh, a very intimate education. Uh, I first became a beautician and then became a teacher 
and I taught at the middle school level for 27, well, 20 years, and then I worked at the district level for, for seven. And um, I retired in 2013, and I had a couple of books I had written and put them on the shelf, put them back. And um, when I retired, my mother passed away the year that I retired, and I was the executor of the will, and I was her primary caregiver. So um, when after she died, I needed something else to focus on. So I focused on my writing, and that's been about t 10 years ago. And, and 10 years later, I have seven books and three cookbooks. So it's been an interesting process. Um, I love the name of this um, um, podcast because I am a, a process person. You know, I taught I taught writing to mid school te uh, mid school kids, and so I really believe in the writing process and how you know stuff percolates and everything. So that's the long and short of my story. That's awesome, and and that's beautiful. Like you have such a kind of an inspiring start to that part of your story, which is the writing part. And I'm curious, how did you get into the cookbooks? Well, that's interesting. My mother was a phenomenal cook. And so whenever uh, she passed away, she passed away in March, and I was going to do um, a cookbook for the family the next Christmas. And a friend of mine, I was talking to her about it, and I was telling her, man, this cookbook is going to be gigantic. And she said, well, why don't you do a series? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I have this great deal. I've, I've, played, I've worked with snapfish for years. You know, there's snapfish and shutterfly. Those are two similar uh, photo companies, and I'd worked with them for years and bought many books from them, and I had this really great deal, lifetime deal from them. So um, I, I, they're expensive because I do it in full color, but I did something very interesting. I scanned in her recipe cards. So oh. the recipes are in her handwriting. They have the stains of the many years that she that she used them, and she graded them up on the corner very good. I only chose the very good ones; the other ones I didn't I didn't include. But it ended up being Christmas presents for my family for three years. And when I got done, you know, my family said, "Oh my gosh, you need to sell these." So that's how I came about with those. Oh, that's so cool! I love that. I that's like the best thing about a recipe is like like the the coffee stains and the flour that's still stuck to it, and like the smudge. That is so neat. I love that idea. What kind of? I'm kind of going a little bit off topic, but what kind of cuisine was it typically? Well, like the first one. In fact, I'm going to just pull the first one out here in a day or two. The first one has Christmas candies and cookies. Um, then, then I, I broke it up by, by category and then I have one with meat that I think the next one is meats and main dishes and, um, the one of them, I can't remember what all the different categories are, but she was a rancher's wife and she kept records of, of whenever she would have the big meals, like whenever they did the shipping of the cattle in the fall or the branding of the calves in the spring, she would keep record of how many people, how many men she served. And um, that was hilarious to me. So I included that in the last cookbook because it was so funny. I mean, and that was personal to my family because she had made specific notes about my cousin's husband. And, you know, so it was really it was really kind of a, a personalized touch, too. Oh, 
That's like really home style. I love that. Oh, that's so personal. Um, great. Well, that's that's fantastic. Everybody here, go check out those cookbooks. That's amazing. So now let's talk about your other books. So we're here for Hair on Fire, but please tell us about like your other genres and why you write in multiple genres. Well, you know, one of the things by writing in multiple genres is that it makes it very difficult <laughs> to promote your books because, you know, the first thing I work with a, a book coach and one of the first things I say, you know, is that you have to find your niche and you, you know, you work toward your niche and it's just like, okay, I don't fit that because my first book is This Tumbleweed Landed and it's a collection of poetry and prose. Uh, it's, it's a memoir and it's a, a collection of poetry and prose about growing up in that little community in the 50s and 60s, which was a very different time than what we live in now. And um, my dad was the one that, that inspired me for the, for the title because I had moved around quite a bit in my adult life. And so one day he said to me, you know, a, tumble, a tumbleweed's got to land somewhere. So that became the title of my, my book. So and then the thing that makes that book really personal is that a friend of mine who is an accomplished artist uh, illustrated it for me. So, you know, that really, really neat. And that, and, and the thing I'd like to share about the first two books is that I wrote them and put them away for like 30 years. I wrote them in, um, like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so um, for anybody that, that's an aspiring writer, don't do that. You know, I didn't start the publishing world until I was in my six, like 59 and 60. And that's just, you know, that's um, it's harder in your heart to do that. You know, I got sidetracked. I was I was working as a teacher, which is a very, you know, um, it's a time consuming job. So I didn't have the time I didn't feel, and then I was active in the square dance world and, you know, traveling all over the country square dancing. So, and then, you know, my mom got sick and, and uh, life just changed, but um, putting them away is not a great idea. So that was my first one. Then my second one was When Will Papa Come Home, and it's an immigrant story that I had heard. It was a story I heard my whole life, and I fictionalized it. And it was about a Mexican family that had moved to the area, uh, to the, the southeastern Colorado, and the dad was accused of stealing um, a horse and ended up being put in jail, you know, unjustly. And it's just, it's from the daughter's eyes. And that story came about. We were out on the ranch, my mom, dad, and I. We'd go out and explore every time I was there, and we were at this one old homestead house, this rock homestead house, and I looked down as I was coming out of the the house, and uh, there was a marble, a blue marble on the ground, and so I said to Dad, I said, who do you think this belongs to? And he said, oh, probably somebody's out here, people go out and look for fossils and arrowheads, but it just stuck in my mind that, that I, t- I, I picked up the blue marble, I've got it in my jewelry box, and I went home, and it was during the summer. I went home and wrote that story probably in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was from the eyes of the, the daughter who's that marble, who that marble belonged to. Oh. And, and it's, um, it's, it's a story, you know, immigration is such a hot topic today. And I think that, um, it's, um, it's a heartfelt story. And I, and I wove a lot of history of New Mexico 
immigration from Mexico into New Mexico and then into Colorado. So it was a blast to write because I love to research. And in fact, I, I was at a, a, a craft fair this weekend and a lady, I uh, was talking to her about the book and I told her there's a town in New Mexico named Mora. And she's from that area. And so when I told her, oh, I mentioned Mora. And in fact, I, I went and visited it so that I could have authentic information in the book. And she was just like, oh, my God, I got to buy it. So, you know, when you have authentic, real information, I think that is um, very attractive to, to readers. So that was my second book. My third book was a book my mother and dad and I wrote for his 75th birthday. And it was how my grandfather put our ranch together during the depression whenever yeah and so it's in my dad's voice and I didn't send it to a professional editor because I wanted his voice to stay the same <laughs> so um then the next one was um I it's a grief memoir I wrote it four years after my mother died and it's about my mother and dad and poetry has always been a way that I deal with emotion and about a month after she died it just the floodgates opened and I just wrote poetry, poetry, poetry. And my, my, I, I was sharing it with my therapist at the time. And she said to me, she, when I, after one time of, and I would read my poem to her every, every time we met and she would cry. And one time she said, Loretta, please share this. I want my daughters to be able to have this when I pass. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that was the real push to do that. And then uh, my next one, um, as soon as the coronavirus pandemic hit, I started writing. I started doing poetry, you know, and writing. And I have a weekly blog that I, um, I've, um, you know, talk about what's going on in my life, talk about writing. My husband and I travel, so I, I write about our trips too. But um, the uh, blog posts were the inspiration for that book. And uh, it, and it's poetry and prose. I mean, I love, you know, here we go. Where does it fit? Is it memoir? Is it poetry? Is it narrative? You know, okay, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get pigeonholed because I really do express myself in both genres. So, so then uh, my husband and I did this great trip last year and in uh, the, end, the day after Thanksgiving, it was a cruise, and we went to Italy and Spain and ended up in Portugal. And I had so much fun. I could say Feliz Navidad in, in Spanish because I, I grew up in a Spanish community and was a Spanish teacher, and, I you know, I speak a little Spanish. And But it was just so much fun to um, speak Spanish or to learn how to do Merry Christmas in the different languages. And so um, when I got home, I was thinking, you know what, I, I could write a Christmas book. So I gathered together some of my posts from my, my uh, blog, and then I wrote some new ones. And again, it's poetry and prose. So um, that's my newest book, Hair on Fire, a heartwarming and humorous memoir. Yeah, that's lovely. I, I want to talk about your writing process. But before we do, you mentioned something about how writers shouldn't wait to don't put your book away and then wait years to publish it um, because that's something that you did, which I think is so important. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, how did you wrestle with those feelings? You know, so, so you put it away, you come back to it years later. Was there a mixture of maybe guilt or apprehension, anxiety, because you had come back to it? If, and if so, how did you overcome that? 
You know, there really wasn't guilt. There wasn't any negative. It was like I was coming home. You know, it was. And then uh, something happened that was that was really life changing about that first book is that it was totally a poetry. And then I went to a writing workshop they had up in Santa Fe. And the guest speakers were Julia Cameron and Natalie Goldberg, two of my all-time favorite mentors in this world. And they both have they have strong connections to New Mexico. But during the day, they had workshops and all kinds of things. And the the agreement of the workshop was that you had a book in process. You weren't just coming with nothing. So one of the presenters at that workshop said. Think about your piece that you're working on right now and do a paradigm shift. Just shift a little bit. How could you make it a little different? And I mm-hmm. sat there, oh, my God. Well, while I was in, when I was teaching, I was fortunate enough to become a part of what was called the National Writing Project. And it was a professional development program that that was just amazing. I'm, I'm not sure it's still even alive today. But it was based on the idea of writing across the curriculum. So write in, of course, write in language, arts, and literature, but write in math, write in science, write in social study. It was yeah. just fantastic. So I participated in that. I I was what they called a fellow for a year, and then I taught it for a year, and then I was lucky enough to become a part of a, a three or there were four of us that went to Princeton University, Princeton, yeah, Princeton University for two years as a fellowship. But throughout, during some, I think it was when I was a fellow there, I wrote two or three essays, maybe even four, I can't remember, about ranch life. You know, one was the first, you know, uh, the first time I rode a horse and how sore my bottom was, you know. And and then, you know, there was a couple of others. And so when that lady at that workshop in Santa Fe said, do a paradigm shift, how could you make this a little different? That's really, I'm glad we're talking about this. That's really what started me down the road of narrative and poetry. So I went and found those essays, you know, added them, cleaned them up, put them in the book. And sent them off to to the editor that I I selected, and um, you know, and she had really good things to say about it. So, I think it's you know, it's 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 who I am. Oh, that's that's really cool. Um, I'm gonna have to look up the National Writing Project. I, I think I've heard of it. Um, so that's very neat. So so you kind of have this like kickstart, and you're like, "Here's what I'm gonna do." I'm curious, what's your writing process like? Well, <laughs> it's nothing like what I used to teach my students. It's like <laughs> I, I, I do, you know, I, I write every morning. I'm a Julia Cameron morning pages person. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but writing yeah. three pages every day. I'm on my 179th notebook. Wow. Yeah. So that, you know, it's a part of my meditation process, but it's also a part of my writing process. So I write every morning. But my writing process has changed over the years because when I first started, it was pen to paper. You know, I was writing on paper, and it's not that way anymore. You know, today I I do write poetry um, on paper because it feels like poetry is harder. I edit the poetry on a computer, but poetry to me has to be written, handwritten. The hand has to touch the paper. But um, I really 
I, I, um, inspire, you know, I have no issue with inspiration. Uh, somebody asked me if I ever had writer's block. No, I've got like five or six books in the queue. So, I mean, I don't, I don't deal with that at all. So I, I, um, if it's poetry, I handwrite it. If it's prose, I usually go straight to the computer. Um, and then the process that I do is, is, um, you know, I, I read it back. I've added, and this is a good time to talk about the audiobooks because um, I really see it as a, as a as a phenomenal tool for the writing process. Uh, I st- I just finished like two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago recording my Hair on Fire book, and um, I had done I had done my the the shortest the smallest book I did I I um, I had just to experiment with uh, in 2020. And I had half. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the coronavirus book. That, that I did a book about the coronavirus. But anyway, so I had half of the coron. I had all of the coronavirus book um, recorded and was doing the editing up to chapter seven. And I, I I got shingles and that destroyed my life. For and I'm still dealing with the results. I had shingles here, and I still have the neuralgia. But anyway, I I knew I wanted to do the audio book of this, and so I I did it. And it is so awesome to go back and read your words, but it's a great editing tool because when you're writing, you think, oh, that sounds really good. When you read it out loud, it's like, oh, I can't believe I, I I phrased it that way. Why did I phrase it that way? It should be, you know, the adjectives should be over here or the adverbs should, you know, and all of a sudden I... So this is the copy. I'll show you the copy I used. So you can tell it's all I wrote and marked it all. I don't know if you – I marked it all up of things that, that yeah. I needed to go back. And then so what I did is as I was reading this, I kept the program I used, Vellum, to – for my final copy of, of my book. That's what I format the interior in. And so I kept the ebook format and the paperback format up on my desktop. And as I was going through this, I would, I would come in when I'd finished a chapter, would come in and, and change the manuscript. And then when I got totally done, I uploaded it to Amazon again so that it matches this. So, um, the audio, uh, somebody said to me, I was visiting, uh, with a friend that I had a couple of funerals a couple of weeks ago that we had to cancel this for. And I was visiting with a writing friend of mine there. It was her mother that passed away. And she saw that I put on Facebook that I was doing the audio book. And she said, congratulations. She said, uh, what do you, ha- what do you think about the, uh, the, doing an audio book? I said, I love it. She said, I hate it. I hate reading my work. And I thought, oh. And my husband and I talked about it, and he said, you know, a lot of a lot of artists are that way. Think about movie stars who say they never go and see their movies and stuff. And but I love reading my words. I just um, it's very very um, reassuring or something. But it's a good tool. So even if you don't do an, you know, even if you don't do an audio book, the thing to do before you finalize your your manuscript, I think, is to read it out loud and read what's there, not what you think is there. Mm-hmm. And how did you, your, you know, you have your book out. What was the the push to make you do an audiobook in the first place? I um, I follow, um, you know. Once you start writing and you start going out to different pages, pages places on the internet people start emailing you all this stuff 
And there was a guy, and I'm going to give him a plug here. His name is Derek Dopker. And he, I had been following him. And he offered a um, program, a train, you know, it's a whole program you buy for, I felt like it was a reasonable price, and it was audiobooks made easy. And so I bought it, all excited about doing it, and put it away for six months. And then I did, did the, the first audiobook. And he is such an amazing person. He's really, um, I'm in his, I'm in a book coaching group with him now too. But he's an amazing person that stands behind his product. Part of the deal with the product was that you send in samples of your work to make sure that it's of the quality that the, he suggests that you do, you upload it to ACX and to find away voices. And if it's not the right quality, then they, they refuse it, and, and it's a hard process. So I was six months away. You know, I had bought it and hadn't done anything. So I emailed him, and I said, is the offer still good for me to uh, contact you about my a sample of my, my recording? And he emailed me back and said, sure, you know, you bought it. Yes, it's good. Well, I didn't follow. He has great videos. I didn't follow his video closely enough. I followed the cover on the box. And the cover has the microphone sticking straight up, pointing straight up. And so I was, I sent him a, you know, I think I'm doing everything right. I sent him a copy. He goes, no, something is really wrong. Send me a picture of you in recording. And so he said, so I did. And he said, why do you have the mic sticking straight up? It's supposed to be to aim to your voice, to your mouth. So that was one mistake that he helped me with. And then you plug the microphone in and a green light comes on. So, hey, you think it's recording, you know, the mic, mic is on. So I sent him another one. We put it towards my mouth. He said, there's something still not working. And is is the microphone on? And I looked at this thing in the on and off, and I toggled, and it changed, and that was the mistake. The microphone was, wasn't on. So um, even wow. on this, yeah, and even on this last book, I, um, I sent him a couple of questions, and um, he was so, so good about answering them. So I just, and so I have, I'm going to, and the thing about living in New Mexico, I can't record year-round because we need a studio in our walk-in closet, my husband and I did. And so it's too hot, so I have to do it during the cold time of the year. So I've got to get going in January, and I'm hoping to get at least the coronavirus book finished and my tumbleweed book done, so I'll have two, two more out there. Oh, wow. Talk about pressure. That's yeah. seasonal pressure. Yeah, really, it is. Wow. That's, that's really brilliant. And you said um, that, okay, so it, it has it has opened up some, like, the tools of editing. Was there anything else that you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know this is also going to be a possibility for me when it came to your audiobooks. Well, I, I think it's the thing that I'm realizing is that it's a whole other audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there are a lot of people that are into audiobooks. You know, during the pandemic, the audiobook sales just skyrocketed. So did ebooks. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the books did. But I've gotten a lot of communication from um, different sources that it's a whole area of, of distribution you need not ignore if you're a serious author. So that was that was really part of the reason, too. As a tool, I think the other thing that I'm trying to think of, of what else did I learn on the audiobook? 
Um, I no, no. The only you know one of the things that you realize when you're listening back to yourself is when you're reading when you're reading something. And I was a teacher, mid school teacher. Um, you have to make it interesting. You can't just be a monotone, you know. And so we, being I taught language arts and literature, and to entertain, you have to entertain kids to keep them interested. So I was very melodramatic, and 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 um, and I listened back to when I was reading my uh, audio book, and, and as I was listening, that kind of thought went through my mind, and I thought. This is real interesting because I did it naturally. I didn't even think about, you know, this is some, this is a serious part, so it needs to have more of a serious tone, or this is a question, so I need to end it, you know, with a the question mark in my voice. So yeah. that was that was something interesting to. That's to awesome. Yeah. And and um, and that's brilliant because I usually I also tell writers that. They need to read their work out loud. They need to because you catch things that you wouldn't have caught because your brain, exactly as you said, your brain thinks the word is there when really it's not there, you know? Yes. yes. That's awesome. The one thing that you that I didn't do that I'm going to do on my next book, I have a poetry series. It's the next um, book, three books that I'm going to um, publish. And the thing that you need to do is to build into your schedule the audio book be do this before you know do the timeline and do this before you release the book mm. and I didn't do it I did it after the fact I my my 20 year old cat died in October oh, and sorry. That, that really messed me up on on everything that I had planned to do to promote uh, hair on fire and it put me a month behind so but it's really important to do it before you you release the book because then that way you're not scrambling to fix a manuscript. And it's also a good idea for them to come out together too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good marketing tool. That's, that's great. Now, you also mentioned that you have like five or six books in the queue. Um, how do you manage multiple projects? Um. <laughs> I think it's because I was a, a middle school teacher and I was handling multiple projects all day long. You know? <laughs> I was so it's um, I have them in the queue like um, and but I'm focusing on um, the ones that I have in the queue are the three poetry books and then I have um, a how to write a biography book. I wrote uh, I forgot to tell you about that book. I wrote the in 2000, I think I released it in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I wrote the biography of the most famous Grodin scholar in the world. I was privileged to write that book, and I had 40 hours of um, phone inter- phone interview with him, wow. and then I did two face-to-face sessions. He was a dear friend of mine. He was in his late 80s when we did this. He passed away before the book was finished, so he never got to see the finished product. But um, I learned so much about writing a biography at that point, you know, and and I thought, man, I need to get this out. And so I was going to that was my next book I was going to do. But then the Christmas book jumped right into the middle of the line, you know, so I at the front of the line. So I have the three poetry books and then I have the how to write a biography because, you know, 
writing your own memoirs, you're in control of the information. But, man, when you move into biography, you're having to check everything, you know, and make sure that everything that is being said is true. And, and he was so concerned about us getting sued because he had some stories about other callers. He wanted stories about other callers, so I had to do a bunch of, of emails to callers and make sure that the information, it was okay that we published the information. I mean, there were so many minute moving parts to that book. And I thought, you know what, this is something I need to share with writers because uh, I, I don't want, I didn't get sued, thank God, you know, and it was because I was very meticulous on, on all the information I gathered. And, and when you, sorry, just to clarify, you said colors as in, Oh, no, like a square dance caller. Square dance caller. Caller. He to, yeah, he went. He was a square dance caller. Oh, okay. I was hearing yeah. colors. I was like, is that yeah. an organization? Or yeah, no, no, no. He was oh, a okay. square dance caller, and he was the most famous worldwide. And we oh. we were we were friends, and uh, it was funny how that book came about because we were at a dance and um, a weekend dance, and the dance had ended, and. Um, we were, a group of us were sitting around, and he was getting close to, he was in his late 80s at that point, and somebody in the group said, well, somebody needs to write his biography. And my husband turned to me and said, well, you're the writer in the group. Why don't you do it? And it was like I was just getting ready to publish. I, I hadn't gotten to the book. I was not published, but work finished. I wrote a woman's uh, novel during uh, NaNoWriMo in 27, 2016. And um, so I was all ready to get working on that. I was so excited because I'd never done just fiction, you know, total. I mean, this was kind of biographical, but it was fiction. And this came up. So I told my husband, well, let's both pray about this because it's going to be a, a big commitment. And yeah. so we did. And we we both came up with, yeah, I think you should do it. So I called him. The caller, his name is Marshall Filippo, and I called him and said, would you be interested in me writing your biography? No, 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 nobody would be interested in buying that, but I do have a book you could write. And, you know, and so finally I nailed him down and he agreed to do it. And he loved, he loved the process. And I didn't know before we started that he had been involved in a, in writing a book about score dancing many, many years ago because he knew he knew a lot about the um, process and about the interior and about um, the the um, selecting the title. He was very very interesting, but he he was a, he was a, a, a feisty little old geezer. Let me tell you. And so he would change on me. Okay, at first I want you to. And he was humble. He was so humble. So first he wanted the book to start out with a, a section commending the people that had helped him get started. That was one thing he wanted. Then he, next week, I'd call, we had talking and he'd say, no, 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 let's start it with a dirty joke. I'll tell you the dirty joke. You clean it up. You clean it up so it can be put in the book. I mean, so he, he was, he was hilarious. So it was a, it was a, it was a, a privilege to do it. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds really cool. It was. Um, and I'm curious, this might be a random question, but do you feel like there are any similarities between square dancing and the writing process? 
Um, oh, there, yeah, it's a, when you, when you're learning, yeah, there is, because it's all, you know, repetition, you can't, you can't beat repetition, and that was something I, I, I stressed with my kids, and I, and I, you know, that's probably where the morning pages and everything comes in for me is that piece of repetition. You know, if you're a writer, you need to be writing, and I have on my laptop here, Write two crappy pages a day. That's the the advice that Derek gave us one day when we were talking. You know, because people think when they sit down to write, they have to write the first, the final draft. Right. You know, it has to be the perfect piece, and that's so wrong. You know, because if you get the the whole point is to get the idea down on paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. That that was great. That was great. Thank you. Um, so we are at about the time that we're going to wrap up. But before we do, this has been a lovely conversation. Loretta, uh, what's next for you? Um, what's next is uh, the poetry book um, and a poetry series. But it's also what's next for me is is next Wednesday I'm doing a Christmas celebration with your hair on fire. So that's the next piece for me. Oh. And it's going to be my, I didn't do an official launch uh, party or whatever. It's going to be my online launch party. And um, I just want to celebrate this book. You know, one of the things that happens at Christmas time, I think for a lot of people is they equate it to the, the rush and the commercialism. And this book has really an opportunity to step away from that. Mm-hmm. It's short chapters. There's about 33 chapters in the book. It's short chapters. It has lots of pictures because I'm a visual person, too. That's a feature of most of my books. And it also has some questions to make you think about how to how to react or respond to the chapter you've just read. And it can be read in order or just pick up and read a, read a chapter at a time. So I really... That sounds great. Well, congratulations ahead of time on your, like, Christmas party. I love that. Now, where can everyone find you and find your books? Okay, my books are all on Amazon, so you can find them there. My And I have a Shopify store that I just put together, and it's uh, the name of it is LaredasBookstore.com. So it's an S on the end, uh, and Lareda is L-A-R-A-D-A, so LaredasBookstore.com. My website is LaredasBooks.com. So um, I don't, uh, so it's L-A-R-A-D-A-S, mm-hmm. books, B-O-O-K-S.com. So they can be found there. They can be found locally, too. I, I spend a lot of time getting my Christmas book out to local authors, too. Awesome. I mean, local, local stores. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was, has been a huge pleasure. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for being part of the show. Um, that is everyone. That is a Loretta Horner Miller, author of Hair on Fire, as well as multiple other books and cookbooks, award-winning author from the How to Write a Book podcast. Loretta, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Mastiel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.